Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. When we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are. We hear different perspectives, and we better understand other stories. We learn to stand with people instead of having opinions on issues. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Before I can bring in today's guest, I need to give you a little bit of a warning. In this episode, we're going to talk about adoption, we're going to talk about trauma, there are implications of incest, and we're going to talk about suicide. Just want to make sure that you are aware. This week, we're talking to a woman named Evening Snow. Evening is an author. She's the host of What's Your Success Story podcast. She's the oldest of 13 children, and she's adopted from Ethiopia. So, Eve, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Katie. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited to get to hear more of your story and more of your perspective. So let's start real simple. Like, what brought you to this point? Absolutely. So I was adopted um, from Ethiopia, like you mentioned, and uh, I've been in the U.S. Honestly, sometimes I'm so hard on myself for not knowing some of the, you know, like language barrier, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's just so much. And I'm like, man, I need to know this or I need to know that. But I'm like, I've only been here for like 12 years. That's not long at all. Yeah. So um, kind of as far as like how I came here. Uh, to the U.S. is I was adopted and um, from early on in my life my birth family wasn't able to take care of me so I had some other friends of the family that took care of me for a short period of time and then when I got to be a teenager and I was um, causing problems (laughs) probably you know going through the teen years and um yeah so that just the dynamic they were older at the time so they were Mm -hmm. like you know this we're not, we're getting older and she's young and uh, it's just a lot of energy. So I kind of went back to my hometown where I was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, same family friends that were like, you know, we, we don't want her to end up having kids at a young age and fall into Mm -hmm. poverty. So we want her to get the help she needs. So it's so different than what you would do in America. Like, but they were just like, yep, she's basically like ours. So we're just going to make sure she gets adopted. So we're going to put her in the orphanage and of course, there's a lot of details, but sure. the basically, in a nutshell, they were like, we don't want her to end up, um, you know, in trouble and not mm-hmm. getting her needs met. Like, we see potential for her, so we're, we want her to find a family. And so they just basically took me from my birth mom, and they were like, yeah, we're going to put her in, a, in, in an orphanage. And then I was in an orphanage um, for a few years waiting for a family, and mm-hmm. um, finally a family here adopted me from Ethiopia and so I came to the U.S. to the Snow family and I was number eight at the time because Mm -hmm. my mom wanted eight kids so I was like number eight and my mom named me Evening because she was like this is it I'm done yeah (laughs) and uh, she was like of course she changed her mind on that yeah but that's kind of the background of how I came here and of Mm -hmm. course yeah now I'm the oldest of 13 because they ended up adopting more kids. Adopting more. <laughs> Do you still have contact with your family or your friends in Ethiopia? You know, for a long time, I didn't because I think I, I was young and I didn't. Honestly, we didn't know. We didn't have contact with the birth family um, sure. as far as like I was in the orphanage and then the orphanage transferred me to another orphanage. And mm. then my parents adopted me from the capital of Ethiopia. Yeah. And basically... Like my birth mom didn't even know I was alive. Mm. Like she was so worried that something had happened to me because she didn't know that I was adopted. So they, they actually, Tagati, like they, 
they started searching for me on social media and mm -hmm. in 2017 I got a like a, a text message or a messenger message um from someone and they said hey we're your family we're from we're in Ethiopia and of course I was like oh, I don't wow. think so you know yeah. so after like confirming and making sure that they are legitimately my birth family we realized that um yeah like they were searching for me all these years making sure that mm. I was okay and we did get reconnected and we have had video conversations and I do stay in touch but I've had to set a really it's a boundary I've had to set that's been really difficult because uh, of course the time change is different in Ethiopia yeah. and then of course here is different the culture is different people in Africa of course think that anyone and everyone who is in America is rich so mm, therefore sure. you should send money and there's just a lot of things that weren't healthy for me so I've sure. had to kind of um, lovingly Mm -hmm. withdraw from that because it's too much you know you have your yeah. family here and then you have your family there and you're like oh, I don't know I want to be loyal to both of you guys yeah. you know? how do you balance that wanting to be loyal to both of them yeah to me you know I think that blood doesn't always mean family to me I have no anger or frustration or resentment towards my biological family members yeah. But to me, it's like, I'm all in for my family here because they're the sure. ones that got me from, you know, the hardships and life. And they took me in and they made me their own and provided for me and taught me about Jesus and, you know, mm -hmm. and met my needs and made me the person that I am. So to me, like, they will sure. always, like my dad um, and, of course, my mom, unfortunately, has passed away. But my family, my siblings here are number one priority I'm yeah. blessed where I can look at it that way and say, I'm so blessed that I have two family, two groups of family members mm -hmm. that love me instead of being like, I'm so overwhelmed. People are calling me every day asking me when I'm going to come and visit them. Sure. But I don't know um, when I'm going to go to Africa and all these things. Yeah. Instead of being overwhelmed, I've had to just say, I'm so blessed to have this love and support, but I get to decide what that mm -hmm. looks like. And so that that's been kind of the balance of that yeah. and saying like, I basically told my family in Ethiopia and just said, I'm willing to talk to you guys on the phone. I'm willing to. And the thing is, I haven't had relationships with my family in Ethiopia for years, like mm -hmm. years and years. And so when I was, okay, maybe four and five, I've seen them. And then all these years I haven't. And then now yeah. they're like, hey, when are you coming back? Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah. it's kind of, it can be very disrupting. And I just basically decided one day I woke up and it was like four o'clock in the morning. My phone, someone was trying to video chat me mm. um, from Ethiopia. And I was like, mm. no, th this can't happen because it was just throwing my whole day off. And yeah. people are emotional, like crying and saying, you know, things that well meant, like they sure. mean it in a very well. So that's when I just said, if you guys want to talk to me, then we have to set up an appointment. Yeah. Um, we have to like say, Hey, this is what works for me and we can have a conversation. So that's sure. kind of how I balance that out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a healthy way to do it, especially with the time change, having it pre-scheduled yeah. so it can be a convenient time for both of you, both the physical time and then the mental time as well. Right. Right. Yeah. It can be a lot. It's it's mm -hmm. definitely a lot. I definitely want to write a book about it someday Yeah. on just juggling adoption. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. Mm -hmm. So you came to the U.S. as a teenager. Yes. What was that experience like? It was crazy. It was so crazy because 
I mean, think about yourself at like the age of 12, mm-hmm. probably 12 or 13 and everything, you know, right? Like the food, the smell, friends, yeah. the language, every single thing, the time change. And, and then somehow you're still supposed to be grateful because mm-hmm. now you have this beautiful family. Yeah. Not that that matters, but they don't look anything like you. Sure. So you're like, okay, in every single way, my world's flipped upside down yeah. and it's for the best and you're thankful and you want to make the best of it. But you're like, I have no clue what they're saying. I have mm-hmm. no clue how to say what I need. Sure. And it's almost like you're handicapped. Like you're just like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And it, so mm-hmm. it was a, a huge cultural shock. It yeah, was huge. And um, I, yeah, like when I think back now, I'm like, that was, that was crazy. There was, <laughs> there's this story I tell my sister one time we were eating dinner and my sister looked at me and she waited for me to finish my food. And it was taking me a while because I was not used to eating hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then all of a sudden she asked my, my, my parents something and I didn't know what they said and they must have said yes to her. So before I know it, this food was like being dragged from my, my, the table and like she was she took my plate of food and started eating it and I was like wow what the heck just happened yeah and I realized I later on found out that she had asked uh-huh. my parents like hey evening is not eating her food can I have it and they were like if she's not eating it you can have it and so oh. she then asked me and I didn't know what she was saying so I probably just nodded yeah. and then all of a sudden my food was gone and I was like what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I learned my lesson, you know, I was like, no, sure. no, not no. never again. So it's just those moments like that, where you just feel so out of place. And yeah, you know, all the feelings that mm-hmm. you just kind of feel, feel insecure, yet so blessed. Yeah, sure. It's a lot of all at once. It is. <laughs> so <laughs> how did you adjust through that period? I think it helped me to know that so everyone in my family was adopted. Okay. So all of us, um, all of my siblings were adopted. We're not all biologically related, but we were all adopted. So that made me feel like, okay, they had to leave also. Like they weren't all international adoptions. We yeah. have a decent amount of international adoption, but I just knowing that like, okay, all these siblings, that these are my new siblings and they've gone through the change of like saying goodbye to their you know, birth families and saying goodbye sure. to the things that they knew they came through foster, from foster care and all that stuff. And basically we just kind of bonded and like, yeah, they loved me and they understood when I would cry, they come in and just comfort mm-hmm. me and tell me that yeah. I would be happy someday. And so mm-hmm. that really helped me adjust. And my parents were really wonderful about that too. They just mm-hmm. met me where I was. They understood the sadness. And, um, and of course, like I believed in God, I didn't understand maybe the depth of like what Jesus said, but I still believe in God that mm-hmm. like, I would pray and my faith also helped me like through that adjustment. Yeah, sure. So English was your third language to learn. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? Yeah. So, uh, so I speak three languages. I'm not fluent in my second language because nobody speaks it. But the first language I still speak and read and write. Mm-hmm. And then, so English, I would say, in my personal opinion, it's the hardest language to learn. There's just so many weird words. <laughs> Today, I was just talking to a friend at work, like, pneumonia. Why is there a P in pneumonia? 
like right. move on, get rid of it and like <laughs> all these different things like why is this necessary I feel like whoever invented English they were having a bad day and they were like you know what forget about it we're just gonna go add every word that doesn't make sense we're just gonna make everything like so it was really hard for me because like the structure of my first language and my second language were similar to Spanish okay. the way it's set up it's very basic yep. like you would just the way you talk is different than where yep. here you have helping verbs you have pa past participles and you have <laughs> all these different things and then sometimes you know the rules don't make sense and then there's exceptions and I'm like <laughs> it was so it was so difficult for me it's so and real learning the learning the sound th th mm. was so hard for me because I'm like that I had never made that sound so it's like sure I I can't luckily I was homeschooled so my mom was able to work with me okay she helped me um and like she was very patient with me so I'm so thankful for that but yeah, English, I, honestly, I'm still learning English. <laughs> I think we're all still learning English sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Another fun thing about your um, experience coming from Ethiopia. Tell us about your age. Oh, yeah. So when I was adopted from Ethiopia and um, like, of course, in Ethiopia the culture is very different there there's no like birth certificate and then we don't celebrate your birthday I mean honestly I don't remember ever celebrating my birthday in Ethiopia wow I remember seeing like the richer kids celebrate their birthday and I remember sure. being like man that would be so cool mm. and like it's so crazy like now where this culture I'm like what are we gonna do for my birthday it's like half of my life I didn't celebrate my birthday you know sure but and in in the culture, you don't really keep track of your age unless you're like, "Hey, mom, how old am I?" And she's like, "Hey, you were born in this, you know, this year." Yeah. But because of that, and when I went to the orphanage, basically, the people at the orphanage gave me an estimated age mm -hmm. for my benefit of being adopted because younger kids have a higher age. I mean, a higher chance of being adopted yeah. versus older kids. And so they were like, ah, she's, you know, I was, I'm looking at a picture of like the way I came to the orphanage actually right now. So right in front of me, oh, but wow. I look, I look like a little girl. And so they were like, oh, she's nine. Let's just put sure. nine. So they made me two years younger than I was really was. Wow. Which I'm like, of course I was happy to be adopted and whatever got me adopted, I was okay with. But then sure. being in this culture where people are like, Oh, you're 13 now. Oh, you're 16. You get to drive mm. or you're 18. You get to vote or whatever. You're 21. And, and all these things where to me, it was like, I just felt so inadequate. And I felt like I was having a, an identity crisis because mm. I didn't know my age. And so sure. this thing like, Oh, you need to be you need to be more mature than this because you're older. But like, but I don't know if I'm older. Kind of feeling right. like everybody right. knows except me, and it was really hard for me. I think, especially as a teenager. Mm -hmm. But now I look back and I'm like, this is kind of cool. Like this is kind of <laughs> cool. When I'm fifty, I can still say I'm forty-eight. Right. <laughs> Which age do you use? So, so my parents were my parents basically and we didn't know my age until sure. literally like we they asked me hey do you want us to change your age to an age that we think you are basically mm. because um, we did some tests and the doctors were like she looks like she's about 
13, uh-huh. you know, and my parents basically asked me, if you want us to keep the age that you have, then this is my child, my childhood answer. But yeah, they basically said, if you want us to keep the age you have, you can like live with mom and dad for free longer than if you if you have a real age then you would be an adult sooner and yeah. I was like well I'll stay here forever kind of feeling right? I was like yeah, well, yeah I'll, I'll take advantage of mom and dad any day <laughs> I was like <laughs> keep me young and so they were like okay if you want to do that and uh, that's what we did okay. and we basically stuck with it not knowing exactly like what the year was until my birth family connected with me and I was yeah. like okay hold up how old am I and so they were they told me the year um so my legal age still says my adopted my adopted age which is um 1999 and then my real birth date is 1997 so it really trips people out when when I say like I have two birthdays they're like what What? yeah (laughs) how did your I just have so many questions how did your birth family find you Obviously mm-hmm. your name was changed. Your age was changed. They had no yeah. idea what you look like. I'm sure. How did they right. figure that out? So my parents, my, my parents here had done, um, they had hired somebody in Ethiopia to like go and try and find my birth family Okay. when I was a teenager and he was not successful. He only found my family as in like the family that had took me in. Okay. And he basically told them like, Hey, she is okay. She's safe. She, he sent yeah. my parents sent pictures, like she's mm-hmm. happy and whatnot. So I have a feeling maybe word got around and they yeah. told so-and-so and so-and-so told so-and-so because sure. you're right. Like the chances of them actually searching, my name is very unique. So for them yeah. to search my name and I wasn't always on Facebook. So right. it, yeah, honestly doesn't make sense. Yeah. So okay. yeah. Wow. It's, I, I should ask them. I should just be like, well, how did you guys find me? Yeah, that's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, it is. It really is. But I remember it's even like as I was getting older too and starting to start starting to date and things like that, I remember being like, who's going to date me when I don't even know my age? You know, like this feeling <laughs> yeah. of like awkwardness. Yeah. And um, I think it was a God thing for me that my birth family found me and so they can tell me my age because I felt like, even though like my age is not part of my identity, but it, I feel like it, it locked something or it put something in place in my heart to be like, okay, because there's so many things I don't know about myself. Like for, I didn't know who I look like. I didn't know my, you know, my birth family. I didn't know this and that. So for me to just like know my age was an important part of of my adult life. I felt like, and so, yeah, yeah, that was kind of a God thing that they did find me. I can only imagine like the things that you would want to know and just have no way to know mm-hmm. things as mm-hmm. basic as your age or things that I had never even thought about, but I'm sure the list is endless. Right? There's so many aspects of my story that sometimes when I think about it, like, I feel like I have three different people, three different kinds of people's life. Like sure. it just, it's so much sometimes and it's very unique. I've, yeah. I've been named three times. Wow. So my birth family named me and then the family that took me in were like, "Mm, we want to name you and make you kind of like our own. So they Uh named me. And then when I was adopted, my mom here was like, yeah, I'm going to rename you because I want to make sure that you're mine and people can like, people can understand 
your yeah. name versus like which my native my native name my last my second name was um Halen which is mm-hmm. not really a hard word to pronounce here right but yeah so you add that on you know so right. you 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 leave your country you don't know your birth family you don't right. you already feel neglected and you're kind of juggling with like the security and you're going to another country not knowing what's mm-hmm. really happening you don't know the language you don't know anybody they don't look like you and yeah. then all of a sudden they're saying you're evening mm-hmm. and I'm like what does that mean right <laughs> I didn't know right. like what the unique part people used to say oh yeah, that's a cool name I'm like I don't know what you're saying like I didn't right. understand that my name was unique until right. like I started understanding English sure so I've had a lot of different things in my life that had happened so I'm married now and my mm-hmm. last name is still Snow which is my 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 parents last name yeah. and my husband was like you know he he basically said he's really cool about it he was like I would change my last name to get your last name because your last name is cooler basically yeah and to me I'm just like yeah I'm just gonna keep my last name as it is and I, I realized it clicked for the longest time it was like why do I care because I also want to be traditional and take Derek's last name, which sure. I think is fun and whatever. Yeah. But I think for me, it was like, I have been renamed and right. named so many times that I'm just like, I just want to stick with this. Like, mm-hmm. I just, can we just stay with this kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Um. So yeah. And that's, that's another part of this. Story. Mm-hmm. When you said you've been renamed three times and then you listen, I was like, yeah, and that's not even including Derek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's it's a lot it's yeah. a lot and it I think is adoption lot. is beautiful I think mm-hmm. adoption is um just such a beautiful thing and it changed some a person's life for the best but there's definitely hardships in it yeah. for sure both for the child and the parents mm-hmm. um and I think sometimes unfortunately both kids and parents have had a very bad experience with adoption yeah. Yeah. and which is really sad and yeah. especially with older kids it is more difficult than mm-hmm. bringing in a beautiful little baby home you know sure sure so but yeah I, I think it's beautiful that you've allowed me to like vulnerably talk about these things for sure um just because it's so different than what we're yeah. used to it is yeah that was actually on my list of questions here is that sometimes in christian spheres we see this adoption we see adoption as this like glorious wonderful thing and it's got its positives but it's often not and it's definitely not as glorious and wonderful as we think it is um, yeah. Do you have more you want to share about some of the hard parts of it? You know, I think I would say something that my siblings and I have talked about too, mm-hmm. especially when you bring in, um, you know, older kids into the family yeah. and you say, for me, for example, my, the oldest in the family was my brother and he was like 11 okay. or 12. And then I come in mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that changed the dynamic. Sure. So then you say like, okay, this is your sister and she's older. She's the oldest now. So that changed the dynamic where in a natural family that doesn't really happen. You're always going to be the oldest. And so that changed the dynamic. You feel like, okay, I I feel kind of like I'm having to transition and I'm feeling like I'm having to figure out what, where I am in in this family now. And then on top of that, you bring in someone who is developing a female and you bring mm-hmm. her and yep. you say she is your sister yeah you guys do not yeah that's not a, you know and yeah. what 
when it's all said and done, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, she is your sister. She's your brother. He's your brother. Mm-hmm. And you can love each other whether you're blood or not. Yeah. But the but in reality, you've never seen this person. And then you bring them into your house and right. you're like, this is your sibling. Yeah. And it just, there is that hardship, I think. And I've seen that in a lot of families, two bigger families, where that becomes a problem where when you have both people maturing and mm-hmm. like nothing happened with my brother and I, but I've seen that happen. It's it's just, it's yeah. it's. It's different. Those are one, those are some of the awkward parts I think of yeah adoption. Sure. And there's this also feeling the disloyalty mm-hmm. for some people who who know their birth family and some they think of it like this file this adoptive parent came in and just took them away from their birth mm-hmm. family. That's how they see it. Therefore they come here and they resent their adoptive parents. They yeah. don't want anything to do with them because they miss their biological parents so badly. Yeah. And they feel they feel like they want to be loyal to them. Mm-hmm. And so there is that aspect where it crushes the birth parents too. Yeah. Um, and then it crushes the adoptive parents. And it's just really messy for the child because again, no one should, no parent, no child should go through choosing, having to choose mm-hmm. yeah. over their bi- own biological parents or someone who, who might be just as great, but they don't know, you right, know? Right. Yeah. And, and there's just so many different things. And then of course, um, unfortunately there's disruption and adoption and which is not beautiful at all. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a divorce and adoption where yeah, a person says, mm-hmm. and they basically say, I can't handle this. And so I am putting him up for adoption. Wow. Yeah. I have three siblings that were adopted by, by my parents. Mm-hmm. because someone adopted them and gave them up wow and so I have seen that be a negative thing too in their lives where sure I mean you talk about I've had practically three mother figures in my life sure and I've lost all of them basically yeah yeah wow. you go from that to my other siblings where you lose a biological family member, then you get adopted and you think, okay, this is it. You start learning to live and mm-hmm. then you find out all these years they couldn't handle it. So they were trying to figure out a way to get rid of you. Wow. Like there's just a lot of trauma that can come from it. Right. So some those are some of the real things that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about adoption that, that can be very difficult. Yeah. And it's really hard on the marriage too for people who adopt. Sure. Yeah, just because it changed the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. You're you're bringing again people that are older or even if they're teen like even if they're um toddlers Mm -hmm. you're still bringing in someone that you haven't had a chance to invest into or train the way you want them to go and you're having to clean up the mess where someone dropped the ball basically and there's yeah I think I, I, I think adoption is beautiful and I think I think it can be a sign of like what God did for us Mm. but at the same time it is also very difficult and again most beautiful things are typically difficult there's truth in that too yeah Mm -hmm. do you have any like alternative ideas for adoption because we know like it's got beautiful aspects and it's got hard aspects what is there anything that could kind of bridge that gap or make it a little bit better Mm -hmm. I think for me I would say it is detrimental for 
kids when parents don't tell them that they were adopted. Mm. Especially if you have, if you adopt, like my mom was always honest with us, of course, yeah. like some of us were old enough to remember, sure. but the ones that were young and baby, like she mm-hmm. was like, that's your birth mom. And that's why you don't look like me. I think yeah. those are normal conversations that should be had because you don't ever, I think birth, I mean, adoptive parents need to remember that they can never, there's no competition between biological parents and adoptive yeah. parents. If we can rest in the fact that like this, you are this child's mom yeah. and you are their whole entire world. Mm-hmm. And so when they are asking questions like, where did I come from? Yeah. And you say, you came from your birth mommy's belly. And they're like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I thought, I thought you were my mommy. I yeah. think if parents could realize that those questions are normal and it's important that they explain it to them in a in a way that doesn't make the child feel like, how dare you ask about your birth parents? Mm. Or without the parent also feeling like, oh my gosh, she's going to abandon me. And she's going to sure. lo- like, she's not going to love me. She's going to go search for her birth family. She's going to forget about me. Like she's three. She's not going to yeah. do that, right. you know? <laughs> but But I think if people don't allow those natural conversations and then, kids grow up and they're like wait I was adopted and then they feel yeah. like I've, their whole life is a lie sure so I think those are some of the things that people could do to mm-hmm. kind of make it a, a smoother transition sure and adoption sure yeah do you have other advice for parents who are contemplating adopting or in the process of adopting I say pray about it a lot mm. because it's a big deal yeah and it's it's amazing, but it's a big deal. It's a sacrifice that you make. Mm-hmm. And like, I have seen it firsthand that some of my siblings and um, specifically one of my siblings, he just basically has no contact with the family. He's not involved in anything. It's it's like, it really crushed my parents. It really crushed mm-hmm. my mom. Yeah. And like, w- when you're opening yourself to love someone, Mm-hmm. you're always opening yourself you're being vulnerable to possibly get hurt really mm, bad yeah. and so the answer is not never love anybody just be like don't have kids and whatever it's because people can have biological kids and that can happen and it does happen so it's not about biological versus adoption mm-hmm. but in reality when you I think adoption is beautiful I would say just pray about it a lot and make sure that your spouse is on the same page because if you go and do this you're going to need your spouse to be in, in on this yeah. too, where if you're married, if you're not, then obviously it's between you and the Lord. Mm-hmm. But if I would say that like unity is so important because that child needs both parents, not par- that one parent against the other parent right. siding up with teaming up with the child. Right. So let's talk about what is life like as the oldest of 13 children. So there were seven of them, and then you came mm-hmm. in as the oldest, and now there are a total of 13. Mm-hmm. How did your mom cook dinner? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. My mom was very good at, like, scheduling, making sure everything was ordered. She was – she just loved her life. She literally mm-hmm. loved being the mom of 13 kids, and she homeschooled all of us. Wow. Like, and she would just be like, no, I love you guys so much. I don't need to go get my nails done. I just want to spend time with you guys. She was always wow. with us. Yeah. She was really good at prioritizing things. So a day in the life of homeschooled 13 kids. 
we yeah. wake up and we all have my mom makes these chore lists and sure. it has like monday tuesday through friday right monday through friday actually monday through saturday and thir- times 13 so okay. each person monday through saturday and then it would say like evening make your bed you know like mm-hmm. make breakfast for the younger kids and do some school work do laundry help the kids with making beds and things like that yeah and so then I have that and then all my other 12 siblings also have something every day so that's kind of how we kept the house clean okay. is that one person is responsible for cleaning the dishes the other person is responsible for cooking and the other sure. person is responsible for sweeping and by the time we all do it it's sometimes yeah. chaotic where everybody's talking at once and it's sure. ridiculous but the house was often clean because that's just kind of how the standard and then we would have chores in the afternoon so we would have school and we would eat lunch we'd all eat lunch together which was really nice that my mom and dad did that Mm -hmm. we would always eat lunch together no phones no reading on the table everybody would just sit sit down and be present and then we would do school again and at 4 30 was quiet time so my mom was like it was probably now as an adult like she was probably like (laughs) I need y'all to shut up. <laughs> so she would have 4.30 was quiet time and it would last you 5.30. So for an hour, every one of us would go to our room and we would mm-hmm. just be quiet. We could read, we could yeah. draw, we could take a nap. She didn't care, but we yeah. had to be quiet. How and many people shared a room crazy. with you? Um, There were times where it was four people and then there were times where it was just the two of us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think for the... For the majority of it, though, it was either three or four. Three or four per mm-hmm. per room. Okay. So at 4.30, you had to go to your rooms and be quiet. Yeah. And then 5.30, like, people are anxious to start talking again, you know. Mm-hmm. And 5.30, we go go out and do our thing. And then somebody's scheduled to make dinner. So they'll go to mom and see what's for dinner. And she would say, like, hamburger helping or whatever. And then mm-hmm. that person would make dinner. And then at 6.30-ish, we eat dinner together. And then there's a group of people responsible for cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. And then after the house is, the chores is done, then um, we hang out and play or just watch shows or whatever. And then we all had bedtime. So 7.30 yeah. is the youngest bedtime. And then the oldest is usually like 9.30. And then when we were yeah. in high school, is 11 o'clock. Yeah. And so it was fairly organized for how much was going on. <laughs> I feel like you it know? has to be. When you get 15 people in a house, it has there has to be a level of it organization. Has to be. And I, I agree. I remember thinking, oh, another, another rule. Mm. We would have family meetings. At 8.30, we would wake <laughs> up like, and we would have um, devotion. So we would yeah. pray and we had, it's so lame to even talk about it. Like as homeschoolers, we had our own cheers. Of course, we'd all get in a circle, point at like you for me, me for you, all for him, one family victory. It was so lame now that we think of that. And we had a name for our school. My yeah. husband teases me because he's like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are so bougie." But it's like we our school name was Worldview Heights Salt and Light, and he's like, "That's the longest name ever." <laughs> I graduated from Worldview Heights Salt and Light. <laughs> we had a logo. We had jerseys. With wow. With on the back. It was, my mom was like into it. All in. <laughs> yeah. Fun. And we had a band growing up where my siblings and I, wh- whoever played the instruments, mm-hmm. like we would all, 
we, we had a band named Scarlet Light. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, all these memories of like, I have a high school reunion with myself. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it works, right? <laughs> that's but yeah, awesome. that's kind of how my mom cut things structured and like you said she had to just to keep everybody alive (laughs) right what was the age difference between you and then the youngest sibling yeah so the youngest is now oh I'm like it's hard to keep track of everybody I'm I'm sure yeah it changes every year (laughs) I know right um I think he's 12 okay and I am legally 23 okay I was going to say, that's also so, not a fair question since you've got two birthdays. I know. I know. So if you're going to count 25, which, I mean, I'm so bad at math. That's like 13 years. Like 13 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, I, yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like that when we were at home. Like I sure. saw him every day where sure. now I'm like, oh man, I wonder if he's going to remember me. Of course he will. <laughs> but you have that fear of like, oh, I'm just a person yeah. who got married and and left home he probably remembers a couple things about me you know sure yeah it's just not the same anymore it's not I know I miss my siblings they drove me crazy when I was living with them of course but now I'm like oh I Mm -hmm. miss you guys my brother's coming for Thanksgiving so I'm super excited about that nice yeah um do you and Derek want to have a big family no (laughs) not even close I hope that God doesn't ask that of us two kids the most two kids the most yeah that's what yeah. happens I think my mom just got got that out of me she was like nope she wants kids she, she wanted grandkids so badly and of course she naturally she would have so many grandkids just because yeah. 13 right right In, even if six of us only had kids like right that's, that's a, a lot, lot of grandkids so and yeah. uh, of course, she would have been happy if I had like she was like get married, buy a house, have babies, you know. Yeah. But I'm like, no, mom, you shouldn't have had 13 kids if you wanted me to have a lot of kids because I don't <laughs> want that many kids. Now. Yeah, talk I me out of it. Out. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, a little bit of a heavier topic. Um, you have lost someone that you love dearly to suicide. Are you willing yeah. to share a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, unfortunately, my mom passed away 2020, I'm sorry, 2019, um, summer of 2019, and it was a really hard year. It was, it's still very difficult. Um, She was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease. Um, She had been sick for like a year and a half, and she had this migraine um she had all these like it started with a brain tumor Mm. she had surgery the brain tumor was removed and she was still having the symptoms and basically like one doctor kept leading her to another and like just giving her yeah all these like hey we think this is this and we think this is that and by the time it was diagnosed as Lyme disease it was too late so then she started seeing a natural doctor Mm -hmm. natural natural healing doctor and he started doing treatments and he he was seeing progress but she wasn't she wasn't Mm. feeling any different and she would have these horrible migraines and I think she I think she struggled with depression obviously who wouldn't she's a go-getter she was the type of person who was like would be up from nine o'clock and like to 1 p.m just working Mm -hmm. and making sure like she had the 
life that she wanted she was yeah. she was my she's my motivator to have the life that I want and not just be yeah. content for a mediocre life but mm-hmm. so for her to have to like just lay on the couch all day long wow. with a migraine yeah. and not have a say in anything was just very devastating to watch yeah. her in that state mm-hmm. and so um when the the doctor basically said hey your blood is looking good there's no Lyme disease in your blood mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like you're doing good. I don't think you need to come anymore and mm. see me because I've done what I can. And I think she was basically like checked out then. I think she was uh, like, you're telling yeah. me you're my last chance. You're mm-hmm. telling me that this is, you're telling me this is it, but this isn't it. And I'm not gets, feeling yeah. anything, you know? And um, yeah, it was just really hard to see her really in that place and state of mind. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's so important to me to talk about mental health too because of that and depression is a real thing and people struggle with that and it's not their fault it's it's just a, a negative part of life but there is help out there unfortunately it was too late for my mom mm, yeah yeah thank you for sharing that with us yeah because um, I can imagine after your mom having been such a positive impact for your life that that yeah. um would kind of change pretty mm-hmm. significantly your the course of your life yeah it was it was really difficult I had just been married for a year and so to have that it was I'm, I feel like I'm still learning how to cope with it yeah it's getting better mm-hmm. but it's a loss that I've lost as you can I mean yeah. just hearing my story I've lost a lot of people that I love I've lost you know, and I, I don't say that like as I never look at myself as a victim or I never look at myself as someone, oh my gosh, I've been through so much. Like I am yeah. blessed to have gone through the things that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I've had a lot of losses, but nothing like this. And the fact yeah. that I can't, you know, there's no goodbye. There's no mm, last yeah. word. There's no, none of that. And you just get the call and, and your heart just sinks. And yeah. you're just like, what do I do now? Yeah. You know? And honestly, if it wasn't for my faith, I don't think that I would be here right now. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm just thankful for God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How has God carried you through this? Yeah. He's just been so faithful to me because, like, he's just so present. He meets me where I am. Sometimes I'm angry at him because, like, how can, because in, in my human mind, it's like, how can somebody who loves you so much, who goes and adopts 13 kids, shares the gospel with each and every one of us, sacrifices mm-hmm. their whole life, change our life, and then when she gets sick, of course, we all prayed and believed that God was going to heal her. But then that happens. Like, I just can't make it all make sense, and sure. I don't need to. Yeah. And I know that that was the free will. When that happens, God doesn't force us to do those things Mm -hmm. and sometimes he gives us the free will to make decisions just like I have the free will to come on this podcast yeah um but it's just a hard thing to walk through and it's hard to make that make sense Mm -hmm. with your relationship with God and like God you're so good but this is so bad how can this be yeah and I've just had to let go that I don't need to understand everything I can Mm -hmm. just I know that he understands and I can submit to him and he can make my way. He can 
he can bless the journey even if I don't understand why yeah wow that's powerful thank you and thank you for sharing that with us Mm -hmm. I know that it's not easy to talk about and I know that it's been a little bit more lighthearted of a show yeah um but we need to talk about heavy stuff too sometimes yes we do and for anyone listening to for anyone who's gone through this sort of loss and I just my heart goes out to you there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel there is help out there counseling and I've definitely tried that (laughs) I've had to I've had to fire some counselors because they just wasn't not in a mean way but like it's okay to say they're not meeting my needs so I'm going to move on to the next one sure but there is hope um people say that time heals I don't know if that's the case but definitely helps us learn how to cope with it yeah for sure yeah what have I not asked you that you want to share about (laughs) I I'm going to be writing a book on my journey. Of, yeah. I've already started it on the journey of learning English and what mm, that was like. And yeah. so I feel like it's kind of a cute coffee table <clears throat> book. Yeah. And uh, basically it's like why English doesn't make sense and why it definitely doesn't make sense to me as someone who's like learning it as their third language. And yeah. I'm still learning every single day. Sure. <laughs> Um, if we want to be watching for your book, where can we connect with you online? Yeah, so people can find me on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, I'm very active on my Instagram account. Um, my username is starlight22, okay. or you can just search evening snow and it will come up. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> evening, yeah. would you be willing to pray for us? Yeah, I'd love to. You can pray in English or any one of your other languages you pick. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jesus, for Katie. Thank you, Lord, for this time together for this conversation. Jesus, we pray that you would be glorified in every single part of our lives. When we don't understand what's going on, when we don't understand why things are going on and why things ha- bad things happen to good people, Lord, it doesn't change your character. You are still good. You are still faithful, and you are still holy. And we submit our ways to you, God. And we pray that you would bless every single person listening to this podcast, that they would be blessed, encouraged, uplifted. And if they're struggling with something, God, that you would meet their needs, Lord. You would meet them where they are. You're not a God who waits for us to be perfect. You're a God who comes and holds us and meets us right where we are. So I pray that for anyone who's going through a time of loneliness or Um, struggling with depression. Jesus, I just pray that you would comfort them right now and give them the resources that they need. I also pray for Katie, Lord. Thank you for the time she's investing into this podcast. I pray that you would bless her and her life and her family and her career and her just business and her um, time of rest. Lord, we pray that you would just bless her double portion for everything that she does and, and for the person that she is, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we submit to you this night in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. It Absolutely. was really fun. It was super fun. I have one yeah. final question for you. Okay. So on the show, we are constantly learning things. And so yeah. I would love to learn, what is something you've learned recently? I mean, today I just found out that two of my friends 
they were like, oh, yeah, I wear two pair of socks every day because it makes me feel comfortable. And I was like, I had no idea. I had no idea that I didn't know that about them, you know, particularly. So that was something I learned tonight. Nice. Okay. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's, um, that's interesting. But I was having a conversation with a friend as well before coming here. And he was explaining to me some of the the things that he was learning and he took classes. He's, um, he's, uh, the direct, one of the directors at Hope Gospel Mission. And he was sharing with me how trauma really impacts our brain. And Mm. like, that just is so interesting to me. Like just the topic of, I just want to learn and I just want to understand people why they do the things (laughs) they do. Sure. And it just kind of made me reflect and say, a lot of he he was basically saying like a lot of the things that <clears throat> we do are reacting or responding based on what the things that we've gone through mm. and like how much trauma really affects the brain. Yeah. And I was like, man, wow. like do do I have any coping mechanisms that I do in my life, whether it's I don't know, the way I live, the way I mm-hmm. eat, whatever it may be based on all this crap that I've gone through, yeah, you for know? Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think naturally, yeah, I think I probably do. Sure. But like how we're not doomed to think the way we do just because of genetic or mm. biological things. Like sure. we can actually renew our mind, just like the Bible says. Yeah. And we can like regulating our our thoughts and mm-hmm. taking those thoughts captive. And just like, it's so amazing to me, like, although the brain is so fragile and so much damage can be caused by traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. it's also so beautiful that our brain is also able to like come back to life and yeah. like new brain cells growing, you know? Yeah. So that was something that I just learned. I don't know if that was what you were looking for. That's great. Makes me want what to learn about so you? much more. Yeah. Um, ooh, what have I learned? Um, I don't know that I've like, it's I've learned it, but I also for dinner tonight, I cooked pork tenderloin, which I ooh. usually do in my slow cooker. But today's the first time I did it in the oven. So I guess I learned how to cook pork tenderloin in the oven. That sounds really yummy, actually. Yeah, I'm, it is. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> All right. Well, evening. thank you so much for the chance to yes. chat with you tonight. Thank you for sharing your story and being honest with us. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. I hope that you were impacted by evening's story, that it made you think, made you process, made you want to spend some time with Jesus. I am so grateful that she was willing to share her perspective with us at Have Hope Will Travel. Ah, what a gift. I also know that sometimes we want to have deeper conversations with those in our world, and we're not really sure where to start or what kind of questions to ask. There is a free resource at katieaxelson.com to help you get the conversations started. So pop over to katieaxelson.com and I will give you a list of seven different conversation starting questions to help you have conversations like this in your real life. Let me know how it goes. You can find me on Instagram at katieaxelson, Facebook katieaxelsonwriter, or of course just email me at katie at katieaxelson.com. Until I see you next, I hope that you are having a great day. I hope that you know that you are loved, that you are seen, that you are known, and that I look forward to spending more time with you. Thank you.